Romans chapter 13, verse number 11. We'll be reading verse 11 through verse 14. Romans chapter 13, verse number 11. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. I like that. I looked that up in the original language in the... Buddy Pertell, you're throwing me off. I'm not used to seeing you sitting back there. I know you've got family with you, so it's okay, but you're usually sitting in the front. That just threw me for a loop. See... You start playing with me when you start moving around different spots and places. Praise God. That's okay. I looked this up in the original, and the Greek doesn't quite say it just like this, but in the King James, they said it is high time. Everyone say high time. It is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. Amazing chapter in Romans chapter number 13 has a lot to do with ethics. This is just part of it, but previously he's talking about the higher powers. What's our relationship to government? How should we respond? Did God put them there? And how should we deal with all of that? He's talking about actions. Romans chapter 13. But he gets to the end here, and he's talking about it's high time to awake out of sleep. Praise God. I want to speak to you for a few moments here tonight on carpe diem. Carpe diem. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus, for your blessing and your goodness. We ask that your anointing would be with us. We feel that there is a deep flow of your spirit and anointing in the house of God, and we're thankful for that. We ask that you would bless us, direct us, guide us, encourage us, strengthen us, challenge us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Can be seated. Where does carpe diem come from? This is a Latin phrase, and it has an old meaning, and it has a more modern meaning. It comes from a poem. It was a lyric poem composed by the poet Horace during the reign of Emperor Augustus. So this predates Jesus Christ. It goes back to 23 B.C., Carpe Diem. This was an important year in Roman history because... The Rome's first emperor, Augustus, assumed the title of prince, and it ended the Roman Republic, and it became a Roman Empire. So this goes to the time before Jesus, and it was in a poem. And at the end of the poem, there is a phrase in which these words came to be. This is the phrase at the end of the poem. Envious time flies as we speak. Pluck the day, trusting as little in the future as possible. 
envious time flies as we speak. You probably will pick up all the way back. 23 B.C. is exactly where we get time flies. Envious time flies as we speak. Pluck the day, carpe diem, trusting as little in the future as possible. So depending on what context you're talking about, in a fleeting age where time is envious, these words have to do with a sense of urgency, immediacy, of gripping hold of the moment in the knowledge that nothing is permanent. I don't want to scare anybody here tonight, but nothing is permanent. Life is but a vapor. And so if you come to the house of God tonight thinking that you may have next week to worship him, you may not because life is not permanent. Therefore, we should give God everything that we've got every service because it may very well be our last service. Time is not permanent. And so this word carpe diem, this phrase carpe diem, comes from the Latin word carpe, which means to pluck, harvest, or reap. And so in this poem, it means to pluck the day. Horace, like other Roman poets, they used an abundance of agricultural language and terminology much like Jesus used in his ministry because people would understand the terms of agriculture and what have you. So when you are plucking the day, you are talking about taking something at its fruition. Agriculture, the imagery that he is using is you pluck fruit at the right moment when it is right. You don't wait until the best has passed. Oh, there's a lot of preaching right there. Give God everything that you've got in the moment when there is a rightness and a fruition. Don't wait until you are wore out, dragging into the house of God, and you can't give God everything that you've got because the rightness of your life has transpired. Praise God. I recognize that I'm going on 53, but I can still give God praise. I'm going to store that up in inventory because there's going to come a day when I'm not going to be able to worship God like I want to worship God, but I'll reflect back and I'll say to God, you know, back back in those days when I had some intensity and passion, I gave you worship and I gave you praise. So I put it in the bank so that you would recognize in my elderly years that I gave you everything I had. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and thank the Lord together. I'm encouraging you in the house of God here tonight. If you got the ability and energy, give it to God. Give it to God. So it had to do agriculturally with plucking the fruit at the moment and not waiting until it was rotten or the best had passed. It was to live, it meant to live in the fullness of the moment, to pluck the day and not trust in tomorrow. So many times people put bargaining chips on the table with God and they say, I'll give you everything I've got years down the road. 
Give God the best of your years. Don't bargain with God. Give God all of your energy, time, and effort. And don't say, well, you know, when I'm in my 30s, I'll do something for God. Young people, listen to me. You got a pastor that's not saying young people are the church of tomorrow. Young people are the church of today. Let the anointing of God and the power of God touch you. Be used of God. You could be 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18, and revival could throw flow through you hallelujah don't truncate put a lid on who you are but give god everything every bit of energy every bit of passion to the work of god be passionate about the kingdom of god god can use you mightily pluck the day at the moment when it's ripe when there is a movement don't wait not trusting in tomorrow now, many of you are probably listening to me and you're thinking that carpe diem means something totally different than pluck the day, which is not quite as powerful as seize the day. And that typically is the more modern meaning of seize the day. But there are two different understandings and contexts when you say pluck the day in agriculture and seize the day, which is something totally different. And as you can imagine, there was something that came out of Hollywood that produced seize the day with carpe diem. And instead of it coming from Augustus generation, it came in the 1980s and a person exhorting some other people said, carpe diem, seize the day, make your lives extraordinary. So that becomes the more modern translation of carpe diem. It's to do something grand and to seize the moment. So where one's talking about plucking the day in terms of ripeness and agriculture, the other is talking about seizing the moment or seizing the day and doing something grand or extraordinary. In a TikTok, Instagram, social media generation, they would understand it today as YOLO, you only live once, so seize the day. And while stripped of its agricultural language that defines most other exhortations to seize the moment, it is very, very concise in that it is speaking something that is energy. We have many other modern meanings of carpe diem like strike while the iron is hot, grab the bull by the horns, Time and tide wait for no man, and you only live once. So encapsulated in this short little Latin phrase are two different understandings and meanings that have to do with stepping in at the right moment and at the right time and then making the most of it. And that's really what I'm preaching here tonight. I'm talking about time. There's a time context and there is an energy context. I want to tell you that the apostolic church does not have time to put it on the back burner to have revival. And I want to tell you at the same time that we don't have the, the ability to let our energy be 
disabled. We've got to strike at the right time with an energy and a passion for the time that we're in and say, God put us in this world for such a time as this. We are going to have revival. We're going to see a move of the Holy Ghost. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be obstacles. Hallelujah. But we're going to overcome every obstacle. We're going to walk over every kind of demonic spirit that rises up against us. Hallelujah. And we're going to say, this is our moment. This is our time for revival. I'm stepping forward in faith. I'm stepping forward with authority because God is fixing to do mighty things. Praise God. Well, Romans says it's high time. Romans chapter 13 said it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. We are at the coming of the Lord. If he could say that to the Romans in the first century, then that means we are nearer than when he said it this time, which means that we've got to be on our A game. We should living on a on a razor sharp edge of tenacity, a razor sharp edge of sensitivity where the Holy Ghost is moving and directing us. Hallelujah. We need to be in a moment and a time where the timing is right and the energy is there to move forward and take territory in Jesus' name. I'm tired of backing up and redrawing the circle and making the circle smaller and smaller and smaller. Where in the world did we ever get that mentality we need to say the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent taketh it by force Shammah was fighting in a bean patch but he kept redrawing the circle until all he had left was a bean patch you need to declare with authority and power God is going to do things in my life and in my ministry we're going to take territory we're going to start redefining the geography and God's going to usher me into territories and geographies and spiritual dimensions that I've never been before. But I'm walking in with boldness because Jesus is with me. It's time to redraw, redistrict some things and say the kingdom of God is greater than this small circle than what I'm standing in. God, expand the territory. Expand the boundaries. Do a revival work. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I want to speak to a family. You've been shrinking and drawing the circle tighter and tighter until there's not much territory. You need to come out with boldness and say, that's a work of the enemy. God never intended for me to live in this tiny space, but he intended for me to walk in boldness and take territory. Praise God. It is high time to awake out of sleep. The enemy keeps encroaching on you. He keeps encroaching on your family. You keep redrawing the boundaries. You need revival to break out of that and say the devil is not going to dominate and control. But Jesus is getting ready to break off every yoke of bondage and move me into greater things. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on. Don't let the enemy come in and steal that. Absorb that into your spirit. God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. God wants to use you. But you're going to have to you're going to have to take off the mentality. Hallelujah, you want revival? You're going to have to get tenacious. You're going to have to get passionate about the things of God and the work of God and step into a realm of faith where doubt can't abide and fear can't abide and control can't abide. But there is a power and anointing through the Holy Ghost. It's high time, high time to awake out of sleep. Paul was pleading with the Romans to be spiritual and not carnal in order to maximize the time for the kingdom of God on earth. And so ethics were involved in this. He's talking about higher powers. There's no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. He talks about, render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor, owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, that thou shalt... Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So from the beginning of, of chapter 13 all through there, he's talking about character and he's talking about interactions with other people and governments and how we should respond to governments and paying taxes and tribute and, and, and doing rendering people honor where honor is due. All this stuff was about being what God has called you to be, be a be a Christian. He said, Rome, you are called to be saints. Be a saint of God that has an impact upon those that are around you so that the time that we have, the time that we have, we can make an impact on the people and the world that is around us. It is high time, he said, to awake out of sleep. We don't have time to mess around with carnality. We got to walk in righteousness, Paul said in our scripture that we started with. Paul said we can't make provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, but we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He said we've got to cast off the works of darkness and we've got to put on the armor of light. We've got to walk honestly, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but we're walking in the power of the name of Jesus that has been applied to our life. How do you put on Jesus? You put on Jesus by being baptized in his name. For as many as have been baptized in Christ have put on Christ. Thank God for baptism in Jesus' name. Thank God that we are clothed in a power and authority that gets the job done when we can't do it God works through us we live in interesting times Paul said it's high time high time high time recently I opened up an article and began reading about the Louisville gun massacre And so that was the inspiration for the message 
and it was an article about our culture. This is the lethal truth about mass shootings. Never before has America suffered so much carnage so quickly. And experts try to give an answer for why. And the answers are fascinating and appalling. What's amazing is this article was old news. Because yesterday at 10.30 at a dance studio in Alabama, Dadeville, there was a shooting that killed four and injured 20 on Saturday morning. So the article that I'm using, you can add that one to this one. The shocking events that unfolded in Louisville, Kentucky, last week were so much more than a tragedy for a community or the families left devastated after the firing ended. It was a bloody milestone for America. This individual by the name of Connor Sturgeon had been fired by the old National Bank. Driven mad with rage, he opened fire on his former colleagues, killing five and leaving eight injured. And when he did so, he registered the highest number of mass shootings ever recorded in the United States in the first hundred days of a year. The Louisville tragedy was the country's 146th such massacre in 2023. On April 10th of last year, America had experienced 126 mass shootings. We have now in 2023, 146, and if you add yesterday's 147. And so we see police body cam footage played out like a macabre video game. Somber police chief giving the news that he dreaded to share. The backstory of the shooter. The war that rages between pro and anti-gun lobbies reignited and always the plea for answers. The 10 <clears throat> deadliest mass shootings in 2023. Seven dead in Half Moon Bay, California. Six dead in Goshen, California. 12 dead in Monterey Park, California, 8 dead in Cedar City, Utah, 6 dead in Coldwater, Mississippi, 7 dead in Nashville, Tennessee, 5 dead in Halea, Florida, 5 dead in Sumter, South Carolina, 5 dead in High Point, North Carolina, 4 dead in Louisville, Kentucky, and then more dead in Alabama. It's interesting that these statistics have been on a rise for the past decade. They are grim and they're barely believable. Sometimes people say, aren't you a little worried about Peyton and London being down there in Mexico with all those cartels? Pick up your newspaper or if you don't read a newspaper anymore because there's not much to newspaper nowadays. Look online at some of this stuff. You'd be, if you lived in Mexico, you'd be afraid to come to the United States. In actuality, did you know that Bakersfield, California is one of the most dangerous cities in the entire nation?
And while a lot of these facts and figures and politics gets involved, and there's a lot of stuff that floats around, and so sometimes this is not completely understood, the Gun Violence Archive, GVA, a nonprofit research database, tracks shootings across the United States, and they define a mass shooting as those with a minimum of four victims shot, either injured or killed, not including any shooter. So it's four people. As well as active shooter incidents like those in Louisville, Kentucky, and Alabama, mass shootings include accidental firearm incidents, armed robberies, familiacide, home invasions, and drive-bys, among others. And the GVA does not differentiate, for instance, between a gang shooting and a school shooting when they compile these statistics. This is very ironic as well. Death by guns are now so commonplace that mass shootings, while undeniably traumatizing, they are attention-grabbing events and they only make up 1.1% of America's firearm deaths in 2020. What does, tragically, is suicides. It's not that the mass shootings are not horrific. They absolutely are, but they are statistically rare events. When you're not offering that context, it makes everyone think that if you walk outside, you're going to die in a massacre, which is not necessarily true. But, but, mass killings are increasing for some of the following reasons. One, the availability of guns. Two, guns are more sophisticated. And there's a lot of arguments around those two reasons. But three is really the reason I want to point out here tonight. The deadly curse of modern life that drives shooters to kill. A report by the U.S. Secret Service published in January and examining five years of mass violence data from 2016 to 2020 found some common denominator issues that were connected to the attackers. And in most of them, they are plagued by personal crises. Listen to this. Many attackers experience stressful events across various life domains, including family, romantic relationships, personal issues, employment, and legal issues. In some of these cases, the attackers experience a specific triggering event prior to perpetrating the attack, the report said. In other words, life stressors like the loss of a job, financial pressures, family tensions, drug use, ill mental health, all have a strong bearing on whether someone may lash out in a horrific public massacre. And the problem is that life has become a whole lot harder for the most of us as of late. This is an article that was written by the experts, and they're trying to put their finger on what the problem is. Overall, they say, it is true that there is a perception 
that America's social fabric is fraying. And sadly, there may be more tragedy in store for a nation coping with the aftermath of a pandemic, a mental health crisis, elevated crime rates, and one that is armed to the teeth. But I would like to add to some of those reasons, I would like to add to those reasons, spiritual bankruptcy, no purpose, false and phony living, nihilism, anger, and insecurity, and a lot of roots that go into spiritual problems and difficulties. I want to tell you here tonight, America needs a revival. I want to declare to you that our city needs a revival. I want to say to you that the state of California needs a revival. Get your eyes off of everything else and say it is high time to awake out of sleep. God has called me for such a time as this I'm going to step to the forefront and say God use me we need an apostolic revival we need a powerful revival praise God the instruction from Jesus to the world found in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 is this. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He said, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. They made their way to an upper room in Jerusalem. The Holy Ghost was poured out upon them in that upper room. It was a fulfillment of prophecy that Peter preached. And he said, this is the refreshing. This is the rest that was prophesied by the prophet Joel. There is a revival coming to a world. Praise God. Peter was stepping out in faith and saying, it's time to pluck the day. The timing is right. Peter was saying, we've got to seize the day with energy. The time is right and energy is here. God's going to do great things through the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. And he's going to touch the world. Those disciples connected. 120 in an upper room, but it spilled out of the upper room. It spilled into the streets and people recognize something different is happening. I want to preach to you in 2023 in a world that is so full of confusion. The time is right. The energy has to be there. The church has to rise up. They got to recognize the timing is right, but we got to, we got to step in with energy. Carpe diem. Seize the moment. Pluck the day. Step in and do the work. Be involved in the work of God. I wish I had an apostolic in the house of God tonight that was feeling what I'm preaching. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can be involved in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. People are going to receive the Holy Ghost. Bible studies are going to happen. Doors are going to be knocked. People are going to flood into this place. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? I believe that. There may be some that walk away, but there's going to be a host that say, we're looking for something different in a world of confusion. (laughs) 
Praise God. We need to clap our hands and thank the Lord together. God has called us to such a time as this. Apostolic revival. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Woo! For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call and with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Listen to me, saying of God, you can't save other people without first saving yourself. Church is not going to be powerful if you can't save yourself. you got to save yourself so that you can save others. Come on, you can't sit back with difficulties and problems in your life to the point that it cripples you from reaching out and touching somebody else. I got to make sure that my spirit is right so that I can influence somebody else. I'm not as effective if I'm not on fire for God myself. I got to burn myself. There's got to be a consuming fire in myself so that I can reach out to somebody else. You got to save yourself to save the world around you. kingdom was never only about just you. It covered the world. Philip the evangelist left a revival in Samaria to reach one. He found an Ethiopian eunuch in the desert. And when they came to the water, the Ethiopian eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both in the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing, and people kept on preaching. Philip had saved himself to the point that he was so sensitive in the middle of a revival, he veered off. And he found the Ethiopian eunuch and he taught him a Bible study and he baptized him because the Ethiopian eunuch was hungry for the things of God. An apostolic revival happens when individuals who are sensitive to the Holy Ghost operate in that dimension. And they operate in that dimension and they can see things that other people cannot see. They can feel things that other people cannot see. And so when the Holy Ghost starts moving, they latch on, they see, they recognize. They have clarity and vision to recognize. I've saved myself. It's time to do the Father's business and save somebody else. I'm going to do that in a variety of ways. Revival is going to take place. I'm not stepping back, giving in, acquiescing. It's time for revival in my heart and in my life so that I can touch coworkers, so that I can touch other students, so that I can impact my community. Praise God. Come on. Anybody excited about what God does? What God is going to do? Hallelujah. I believe we need to give God praise for what we don't even see yet. God, I'm dancing and thanking you for people that are filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm worshiping you for people that fill the altars. Hallelujah. Let's thank God for revival right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. I want you to look at Brother Jesse there in the back. Look at Brother Jesse there in the back. Brother Jesse, stand up and wave your hand. Praise God. That's Brother Jesse right there. Praise God. How you doing, Brother Jesse? God bless you. Do you see how many pews are in front of Brother Jesse that are empty? One, two, three, four, and five going on six. I'm thankful that God's going to fill up six pews of people that are coming because there's people that recognize it's high time. Praise God. Brother Jonathan, wave your hand. Brother Jonathan Lopez. That's Brother Jonathan Lopez. Praise God, Brother Jonathan Lopez. In front of him is one, two, three pews that are empty in front of him. We need to praise God and thank God for three pews that are empty because there's somebody that has their name on their pews that God is reaching for. Well, I'm just not so sure we want to do that. You better be careful. You better be careful. Somebody may be crowding you, trying to get into your pew. We need revival. I'll, I'll give up my pew and sit on the floor. I want to see God do great things. Are you ready for that? I mean, can we think bold enough to think that maybe we have to put people in the lobby because revival is breaking out? You say, oh, you're, you're, you're getting way out of there. You go, you go ahead and believe that, but I believe that there may be coming a day in which this place is going to look like 238 when it's hard to even get in the building because revival is breaking out in a powerful way and people are energized and recognize the time is right and I've got energy to do the work of God and God is going to do rich and mighty things. There's going to be signs, miracles and wonders. The church is unified. The church is on the same page You say, what are you talking about? What are you thinking? I'm talking about God needs to push us out of our comfort zones. We've become too comfortable sitting in the same pew. I'm not getting on you for sitting in the same pew. But if somebody's sitting in your pew and you come and you move them and they're first time guests, then that's not a good look. So understand what I'm saying. I'm just saying we need to cast a vision in our city that says our world is messed up, mixed up, in confusion with life situations. They don't know where to turn. Thank God there's an apostolic church that says it is high time to awake out of sleep. You, you, you say, well, that's pretty bold. Can you imagine the day when Brother Terry Bishop looked at this piece of property and said, it's a mosquito abatement plant, but we're going to buy that because somewhere down the road, I don't know when and how, God's going to do something there. I really think we need to start looking at other places in this city, just driving around, just wondering, just wondering, is this the mosquito abatement place that was bought in, what, 19... 
72, 1972. I like it here. We've done a lot of work here. We've spent a lot of money. We don't want to go anywhere. God, help us get rid of that mentality and help us to step into the realm that says, God, whatever you want for us, we're stepping into that dimension. No matter, no, no, no matter where it is, we believe you're going to do powerful and wonderful things. I want to be on board with it. I want to be involved with it. As the musicians come, Paul and Silas, they were in the moment, carpe diem. They were in the moment. The timing was right. It didn't feel right because they were in prison. And the scripture said they prayed and sang praises, and they seized the moment. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. He called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And in other words, do the work of repentance. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straight way. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. The book of Acts is full of individuals who recognize, pluck the day. The timing is right. Seize the day. The energy, even though we're in a prison, even though there's difficulties, even though there's obstacles, we're supposed to be doing the work of God, and yet here we are. They recognized it's still an opportunity for the Holy Ghost to move and an earthquake takes place hallelujah and a, a, a keeper of the prison is saved and his family connected to him because it was the right time with the right energy praise God, praise God praise God, praise God this is the year 2023 of the complete harvest we are we are recognizing the time is right and we're putting some energy into it and I believe that the Holy Ghost is going to do great things. How about you? Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Are you willing to say, God, we want to see that? Praise God. Let's, let's, let's expand our vision. Brother Marvin Ramirez is going to, he's going to preach to us in the near future, and he's going to speak to us about his testimony. It's an amazing testimony. God's doing great things in his life, and God's still working it all out. But he told me he has a friend here at Bakersfield that came to church this morning. I didn't see her, didn't have a chance to greet her, but he told me she's been watching online for three to four months. I guarantee you there's a lot of people watching online that are just looking to see what, what's going on down there. Let me speak to you if you're doing that. I want you to know that there's a place for you in this church. There's a pew that has your name on it. 
I believe that the Holy Ghost can impact and touch you in a powerful way. And I know there's a lot of stuff in your world and in your life that you may be confused about. But I want you to know something. Jesus knows exactly where you are. And he poured out his spirit to empower you and strengthen you. You need to come on home to the house of God. We're waiting on you and a church is waiting on you. Praise God. What do you say we lift up our hands and we start praying for revival here tonight at the conclusion of this service? God, use me. Help me to see that the timing is right. Oh, that's beautiful. You know what's happening here? People feel the burden of the revival, the harvest. You know what's happening here right now? People are not thinking about themselves and their problems. They're thinking about how they can save themselves so that others can be saved. Praise God. Come on, I want you to, I want you to pray for an unseen face, an unnamed individual. I don't know where they are in this city, but I believe God's reaching for them. Somehow he's going to connect one of us to one of them. Praise God. Praise God. Would you pray right now for a Bible study that's going to happen that you don't even see yet? Praise God. Hallelujah. Could you pray for a place at an altar here where somebody walks and lifts up their hands? We don't even know who they are yet, but they're coming. They're coming. I believe it. God, prepare me. Let me be unified with the body of believers to see revival and a move of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.